Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Uh, one announcement I wanted to make before we get started today, you'll notice in your bulletin an announcement about our Vacation Bible School plans. We are trying something, we've been tweaking it every year, we're trying something new this time. Instead of doing five days in one week, we're doing six days in six weeks. Uh, we are going to do once a week at, the, at Dormont Park. Um, we felt like this was a, a chance to get to know the families better than cramming everything all in one week, and it was hard for, for families to, to go to every single day. So this way, we're inviting the families to participate, the parents as well as the children, and it'll be from uh, 6.30 to 8 every Wednesday evening starting uh, toward the end of June and then going through the end of July. Um, we, of course, will be looking for volunteers. If you're able to help out one week or six, that would be fabulous. Um, and then we'll end the whole season right before school starts with a big pool party at Dormont Pool. So please be praying for this and uh, pray that we can develop long-term relationships with these families. If you are a family, we hope you will sign up um, and, and partly be an ambassador to our church. Uh, we are calling it Camp Fired Up because we want to connect these families to our Fired Up Friday ministry. Uh, so this is our, our summer ministry. Fired Up Friday is our ongoing ministry uh, with families. And so uh, we, we appreciate your prayers for the team that's putting this together. And again, if you'd like to volunteer or if you know somebody that would enjoy joining us for the summer, please let us know. It's just, it's, it's just going to be a show up. Like We'll take anybody who comes, um, but it's going to be a really great time. So let me pray for us as we get started. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you that you are a God who pursues us. Your deep, deep love is vaster than the ocean. Lord, we pray that you pour out your love on us today and pour out your Holy Spirit. Lord, awaken our, our minds, our ears, our hearts, our souls to the word that you have to share with us today. We ask that you would illuminate this word to make it become real and living, sharper than any two-edged sword. Examine our hearts, strip away the things that are not of you, and draw us close to you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we continue to dive into Jonah, uh, I'm enjoying being able to take my time with it this time. Often we race through books. We are still in chapter one of Jonah. Um, this is all but the very last verse. And first I'm going to read a section from Psalm 86 to get us into it. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you. Lord, no deeds can, can compare to yours. All nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And turning over to Jonah chapter 1, this is verses 7 to 16. 
Then the soldiers said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Remember, they're caught up in this horrible storm. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Lord, please do not let us die from taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As most of you know, I love the British royals, so you can imagine I was watching. I had presbytery meetings, so as I was getting ready for presbytery yesterday, I had the the, the video on watching King Charles get uh, with his coronation. But it reminded me of a story that I love about the queen. One time she was walking through the Scottish Highlands near Balmoral with her, one of her assistants, and they came across a couple of uh, American tourists, and American tourists being American tourists, they're like, you know, introduce themselves and they're chatting and they're like, have you ever met the queen? (laughs) And and she responded, no, but but Dick here has. And he, they're like, well, what's she like? And he goes, well, she can be a little cantankerous, uh, but she has a lovely sense of humor. <laughs> so then they, they took pictures with the guy, and then he insisted that they take pictures with this little old lady in the headscarf. And, and she said to him after they, they parted, I, I, I wish I could be there with them when, they, when one of their friends tells them who this picture is with. <laughs> They saw the queen but had no idea what her identity was. She was funny and gracious, but but they had no clue who she was. And here we have the story of Jonah, where his identity is at question. Who is this guy? What has he done? Who does he worship? Who does he serve? Who are his people? That's a southern question. Who are your people? And boy, have I gotten asked that before. But he, 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 in his arrogance and selfishness, says this grand answer. It sounds good on paper. I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God who made the, the sea and the dry land. But do we see him living out his identity? That's what he calls himself. But is he true to what he says that he believes? We see that throughout this story, Jonah is mad at God and he is running as far away from God as he possibly can. He still says that he is a follower of the Lord, but he is doing anything but follow. As we look at him and the the way that he always does the wrong thing, we look at the sailors 
who in contrast, they are, are, are literally pagans. They worship other gods. And yet they, pray, they are the ones that pray to Yahweh, not Jonah. They serve honorably. They try to protect his life where Jonah could care less. But God, even in the midst of the story, is faithful. He's faithful to the, the pagans. He's faithful to Jonah. And our God is faithful to us. He calls us to live an identity that, that looks like him. But even when we mess up, he still loves us and he still pursues us. So let's look at this passage with Jonah. As he says, the first thing he says, they ask him all of these questions. The first thing he says is not, I am a follower of Yahweh. The first thing he says is, I am a Hebrew. Now think about the very first thing that happened in this book where God said, go up to these non-Hebrews, these Gentiles, and, and proclaim a message of repentance. Proclaim what I'm going to do to them if they don't lay down their, their lives for me. And what does Jonah do? Jonah doesn't think that those people deserve grace. And so he runs in the exact opposite direction, west instead of east, down instead of up. So we've been watching him run for a while. But yet, he still identifies when he says, uh, I am a Hebrew. He is, he is essentially saying, I am better than all of those other people. I am better than you sailors. Even though those sailors are trying to protect his life, I'm better than you. And it's only in that identity first, that national pride, that second, he says, he follows Yahweh, the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. It, it's, it's funny because the word there in the NIV says worship. I worship the, the Lord, the Yahweh. But the Hebrew word is actually fear. I fear the Lord. Who is afraid here? In this story, Jonah doesn't seem to be afraid. The, the, the sailors are terrified. They see the storm raging and they, they don't know what to do about it. Jonah is like, just throw me overboard. He doesn't even care. It's this strange combination. He says, I fear the Lord, but he's doing the opposite of that. Um, Eric Mason in our video says, uh, Jonah answers theologically without application. Despite knowing his God, Jonah continues to run from the ruler of creation. Have you met people that are like that? They, they know the right theological answers, and yet their lives are cold. There's no love. There's no grace for others. They are very judgmental and, and set. And, and everything around them, like... People don't matter. The only thing that matters is their pride and, and ability to answer the right way. Is that what God wants for us? God wants followers who, who hear his call, who imitate him. When they say they fear the Lord, it's, it's because God is awesome and mighty and grace-filled and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. Why is Jonah like this? We've looked earlier at, at how selfish he is. He is mad that God is not the God that he wants him to be. He wants God to be the God of lightning bolts zapping people. He wants God to wipe off the face of the earth, the Ninevites, and doesn't care about these sailors either. They don't deserve to have grace. And yet Jonah is slow to realize that he is the first one who doesn't deserve grace. And yet God will have grace and mercy on him. 
It's an interesting challenge for us to think as Christians, are we living out our faith? Are we showing people who God is that we worship? I had a friend one time come to me. He was working for a Christian organization that was being horribly managed and, and being really awful to, to some of, the co of his colleagues. And he came in and talked to me and he's like, Carolyn, you know, if this is Christianity, he was struggling in his faith and wasn't sure if he wanted anything to do with it. He says, Carolyn, if this is Christianity, then, then I want out. And, and I had to stop him and say, look, the, we've, we just finished a Fruit of the Spirit series recently. That's what people are, are judging you on and looking at your life about. I said, George, think about the Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, pay, uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Are you seeing those things in these people? And if you aren't, then that's not the Holy Spirit at work within them. They say what they believe, but they don't live it out. That's the, the, the mirror that you and I need to hold up to ourselves. Is the fruit of the Spirit coming out of our lives as evidence that the Holy Spirit is in our lives? Or are we doing whatever we want, defining ourselves from things, our, our, our national identity or our job or our success or our bank account, where we live, anything like that? Are we defining ourselves by those things? Are we defining ourselves by Jesus Christ who lives in our hearts and gave himself for us? Are we defining ourselves by the Holy Spirit who fills us with the word, who fills us with his life and his power, his love and his grace? Jonah, in contrast to that, seems like nothing at all. But God doesn't give up on him yet. So the, you can imagine the, the sailors' response as Jonah gives this, this theological response. But they see, they already know that Jonah is running away from their God. So when he says, I fear Yahweh, they, they know that he's lying. He doesn't really mean that. He's not living it out. But the contrast between Jonah and the sailors here is very purposeful. The, guy, the, the author of this book wants you to see who is praying. They want you to see who is acting faithfully. They want you to see who is sacrificing for whom. These sailors, these sailors who Jonah has judged don't deserve grace. These sailors are the ones who are trying to help Jonah be faithful to God. They're like, what have you done? They want to call him back and you know, cry out to your Lord. Jonah does not pray in this chapter at all. He does not pray at all. He is not repentant. He, said it, he doesn't say, uh, you know, God help me. He does admit that this is because of him, but he, he's not repentant. He is giving up, and yet the sailors don't want to give up. They, they themselves end up being the ones to pray to Yahweh. They have tried everything they possibly could to save the ship, to save Jonah. They try to row to shore. Jonah says, go ahead and throw me overboard. It's over. This, this will solve the problem. But they don't want to do that. They want to save this guy's life. I don't know exactly why, because he's not acting like he deserves it. But they're doing everything they can to save him. So they cry out to the Lord. And say, finally, Lord, you, you, we have no other option. We don't know how to fix this problem other than to do what this crazy guy has just said. So they throw him overboard. Immediately, the storm ceases. And these sailors, these, these guys that were praying to their pagan gods just a few minutes earlier, realize that Yahweh truly is the Lord of the sea and the dry land. 
And, and they stop and worship the Lord. They sacrifice to him. And they realize that Yahweh is the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the King of kings. This, this crazy story is Jonah is supposed to go and preach to the pagans. He refuses to do it. And now these pagans still come to Christ. The sailors come, go, come to the Lord God. They realize that they are the ones that truly act out this fear of the Lord. It's, a, it's an amazing moment, and it calls back to Psalm 86, where it says in verse 9, All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. They will bring glory to your name. All the nations of the earth. God is a missionary God. We've been seeing that throughout this book. God wants all nations to come to him. God is not just a, a God of one specific people. He's calling this specific people to go out and bless the nations. And he's doing the same for us. One of the things that makes me happiest in this church is that we have a lot of international families. I'm so grateful for every one of you guys. You make us better. You make us reflect more of the kingdom of God. And, and that's who we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be mirroring God's heart for the nations. And God's heart for the nations shows up with these pagan soldiers, sailors who have never heard of God before, and now suddenly they are sacrificing to him and worshiping him because God has been faithful to them. So what about Jonah? Jonah has given up. Jonah isn't saying, I will save you, like let me throw myself overboard and I'll save you. Jonah is not being selfless here. He is, is saying, you people throw me overboard. Like he could have jumped, but he wants that, that weight of responsibility not on himself, but on the sailors. He is selfish to the end. And, and he knows that he's in trouble. He is not about to pray to God and say, Lord, save these guys. He's not sacrificing um, anything to the Lord. He is just running as far away as he possibly can. Jonah... Uh, we, we see this and we think about it like up to this point, this, it, verse 16, we all think of Jonah and the whale. We, we don't know up to this point that there's going to be a whale. Jonah thinks that he's just going to die. And it's like the ultimate way, as God has said, go up. Jonah's like, peace out. I'm down. He wants to go all the way down. He wants to run from God so much that he wants to give up his life rather than see non-believers, non-Hebrews come to the Lord. He gives up. He, he wants, to, wants it all to be over, and he throws himself down. Jonah surrenders to death rather than God. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't want to submit to God. He would rather die than submit to God. What a contrast to Jesus Christ. Jesus surrenders to death out of obedience to God. Jesus is the one who says, I will give myself to others. Jesus hasn't given up. He's embraced what God has called him to do. As we think about these verses, the, a, a statement from Caiaphas in the middle of, of Luke or John 11 popped out at me. Kind of they're arguing about what they should do about Jesus when he's doing all these miracles and everything. And Caiaphas says, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Caiaphas was exactly right. 
As, as, as crass as he was thinking, as, as, like he is not thinking that he is being prophetic, but how be much better it is for one man to die, for you, for every single one of us. Jesus Christ feared Yahweh. He was God, and he feared God, and he demonstrated throughout his life his obedience to the Lord. Think about the power of Jesus in the place of Jonah. Jonah went begrudgingly running as far as he could. Jesus ran toward God and embraced the Lord and said, take me. I will die for those people. I will lay my life down. And of course, God had such an, a different, amazing, incredible story for us through Jesus Christ that he would, on the third day he rose again from the dead and sits at the right hand of God the Father to reign forever, to be an intercessor, to be our defense attorney before the judge. He is the one who paid the penalty. He's both the defense attorney and the one to take the punishment so that you and I can be forgiven all of our sins, wiped away. The challenging thing as we listen to this story is to look at our own lives. Are we exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Are we living out what we say that we believe? Do, do we allow ourselves to change how we act and how we interact with others? Are we letting God's love for people that seem like they don't deserve grace? Are we letting His grace first change our broken hearts and then change our heart for other people? We need to submit and surrender to the Lord in obedience and say, here I am. Send me. Laying our lives down before God. But the, at the same time as we hold that mirror up and ask ourselves, do we have the fruit of the Spirit? We see all of the things that we have done to mess up. All of the ways that we have fallen short of the glory of God. The amazing thing about Jonah, Jonah thought he was giving up. Jonah thought this was the end that he was going to drown in this troubled sea. But Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit did not give up on Jonah. Jonah couldn't have been worse, but God did not give up on Jonah. God pursued Jonah all the way down into the depths of the sea. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. He captured him, and we'll hear more next week as Pastor Cinda talks to us about Jonah in the belly of the big fish as God saved his life and delivered him. Brothers and sisters, God does not give up on you even when you yourself have given up. God is with you and in you and working through you. Every time we celebrate communion, we remember that, that Jesus was willing to enter the depths all the way down to the bottom so that we could be saved through him. He was willing to be broken. He was willing to have his blood shed for us. God did not give up on you. And this table is a reminder every single time we celebrate it that God will not give up. And that he holds a place for you until he gains, gains us in heaven. Yesterday, um, I lost a dear aunt. She was the first ordained woman in my family. She actually, as I took this stole out today, <laughs> reminded me that she gave this to me for my ordination. She is a woman who lived out her faith. 
She was a courageous woman. She was a, a, a truth teller. She was a lover. She, was, she served as a hospice chaplain. She was a deacon in the Episcopal Church and served her church for, for decades. They only, she only just retired after she started hospice herself. We know, even though it is hard to lose our loved ones, and it, it seems like we've lost so many recently in our church, but we know that God does not give up on us. We know that this life is not the end, even when it feels like we have fallen off a boat into the depths. God is there. We can rejoice in my aunt's life and rejoice in her eternal life because God is there and he is there for every single one of you. If you feel like you have given up, if you feel like God is far, far away from you, that is my prayer that you would have a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit, that God would pursue you so that you too would know that the deep, deep love of Jesus will never let you go. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who is willing to sacrifice yourself for all of us who don't deserve your grace. Lord, we ask that you would cleanse our hearts and our minds, that you would set us apart, that you would fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, that despite all of our faults and our brokenness, you would pour out your love and joy and peace and patience upon us, that we may share it with other people. Lord, when we say that we are Christians, may we say and live out the same words that we love you, Lord, and that we seek you, and we put our trust and our hope in you. Lord, forgive our, our wandering hearts, our rebellious running away from you. Forgive us for our judgmentalism, for taking any identity other than you. Lord, replace all of those things with your infinite, deep, deep love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise as we affirm our faith in the Lord through the Apostles' Creed. Brothers and sisters, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.